Welcome to another podcast by Every Nation Brisbane. We're so glad you can join us here today. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Please enjoy the following message. We're reading from John 15, verses 1. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in you, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Yeah, Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come around your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and activate our hearts to receive your word this great early morning, Lord God. We thank you for the first of many of these services, Lord God, where we get to encounter you first thing in the week in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. And so uh, we're in the series called Go. And for those of you who are new here, my name is Nelly. I'm the senior pastor here at Every Nation Brisbane. But we're in the series called Go, and we're looking at how God has activated his plans in our lives and how we are to plan our lives in a way that um, God honors God. And um, we're anchoring a lot of this uh, around the Proverbs uh, 16.9, the heart of a man or woman plans his or her way, but the Lord establishes his or her steps. I want to encourage you um, during today to uh, take some time to take notes on your phone. I will trust that you are not crushing candy as you take notes this morning. Um, But uh, I really believe that a lot of what God is going to uh, secure in understanding the word of God will help you to activate your plans, especially as you start planning towards whatever God has in your next season. I believe all of you here, this is going to help you to, to be in a place where God will help to activate your plans. And so in line with that, the title of my message this morning is The Planning Place. The Planning Place. So environments of which our plans will prosper in accordance with God's design. And we're here trying to look at what the best environment is for us locking into God's plans for our lives. Now, in the book of Acts, we covered a little bit over the, about two months ago when we were going through the book of Acts. We talked about these three churches which are highlighted there in the book of Acts. We've got Jerusalem, which was the birthplace of the church. If you read Acts chapter 2, that's where the Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit falls down and they start to pray and, and, and talk to each other in different languages. Uh, then you have the church in Antioch which uh, is north of of modern-day Israel, and it was a very intercultural, uh, intergenerational church. But the church we're going to look at today is the third church, which is Ephesus. 
Now, it's a church that is similar to the environment of which we find ourselves in here in Brisbane, Australia. And that is that we live in an environment where there is a lot of commercialism. There is a lot of temptation towards worshiping other gods other than the God that we worship. Um, and so that comes in the form of two challenging aspects. Number one, it comes in the form of false doctrines. Now, you may think false doctrines in terms of uh, actual um, deviances from the Christian Orthodox culture or, um, or, or what we teach as followers of Jesus, but I'm talking about false doctrines that you might even receive on your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed because somebody has a microphone in front of them and looks like they're recording a podcast. You think they're an expert because they've got beautiful subtitles in front of them, you know. But there's a lot of opportunities to uh, kind of delve into false doctrines. The other distraction, which I feel like is a little more prevalent uh, today, is the distractions of worldliness, which are the attractions of the things of this world as opposed to things of eternal value. Now, um, Paul, who is the apostle in the book of Acts, around the 20th chapter, he actually uh, says this to the church at Ephesus to warn them about the attractional nature of these two, uh, these two uh, things that cause us to deviate from the gospel. So whether it's false doctrines or distractions of worldliness. And here's what he says in verse 26 of Acts chapter 20. I'll give it to you here. He says, therefore, I test to you on this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So what he's saying here is like the, all these temptations uh, he's, uh, are, are temptations he's facing. But the difference is, is that Paul is facing them to the point where he's actually imprisoned and beaten because he refuses to succumb to those uh, things that draw him away from the gospel. Uh, so here's what he says, and I want to highlight these four points before we get back into the text that Samantha read. Uh, in verse 28, therefore I testify you on this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. Let's jump down to verse 28. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Okay, so here's the four things I want you to take note if you're taking notes today. Number one, he says, pay attention to yourselves. Everybody say that. Pay attention to yourselves. Yeah. So before trying to look at others, we should pay attention to ourselves. How many of you know that the best judge of yourself, apart from God himself, is yourself? Uh, how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Okay, the rest of you will pray for you. It's a good idea, all right? <laughs> Pay careful attention to yourselves. And so, so the first aspect, okay, if you were writing down notes, write down that you should guard your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Proverbs 4 says, uh, above all else, the wisest man who ever lived apart from Jesus himself, Solomon wrote, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. So the way you live flows out of your heart. Jesus, the other, the main wisest man that ever lived, said uh, in Luke 6, 45, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks, or King James speaketh, right? So out of your mouth comes what's in your heart. Have you ever been in that situation where you're talking and then you, words come out of your mouth, you're like, ah, pull it back, I wish I didn't say that, right? Or maybe, you know, today it's typing on a keyboard, something you wish you didn't press enter and you, you know, try to delete stuff. Have you ever been in that situation where you've typed like a long reply to somebody that's really spiteful just to get it off your chest only to delete it and say, okay, 
Yeah. So guard your heart, okay? Pay attention to your own intimacy with God. Number two, uh, it says pay careful attention to yourselves and to what? To all the flock. To all the flock. So what he's saying here is the people that God brings your way, you need to take care of them. So this is in, in Ephesus, which is similar to Brisbane. There are many distractions. People, bring, uh, people are brought into your life by God. How many of you believe that? If, once you begin to understand that, you begin to understand that the, even the way you frequent certain spaces, like you, you, you may go, how many of you are coffee drinkers? Okay, these are the people we need to pray for. All right, no. The, if you're a coffee drinker, you usually have a spot that you go to for coffee, right? I'm totally kidding, by the way. Some of you are looking at me like with caffeinated offense. Um, like if you, if, you have a, a, if, you, if you have a hankering for coffee, you usually have a spot that you go to. How many of you have a coffee spot? Okay. And so when you go to that coffee spot, you must understand if you are led by God, that God is leading you to that coffee. How many of you can say amen? Because uh, my coffee spot is the bomb, right? But he's not just leading you for that coffee. He's leading you to the barista. That maybe, just maybe, God wants you to go to that coffee spot all the time because he cares so much about that person behind the barista rather than you just, just make my latte, I'm, I don't care. No, God says, pay attention to all the flock. So the very people he brings you into contact with, maybe even today you'll meet somebody, even in this room, that uh, God wants you to pay attention. And it's not just paying attention to care for them. Yes, that's hyper important, but it's also what he might be activating in you through those conversations, through those interactions. So uh, number two is, if, number one is guard your heart. Number two is who has God entrusted to you and how have you been able to care for them or be aware of them? Number three um, is this, right? Number three is that we should uh, also look at uh, remembering that you are called to be responsible for the plans that God has entrusted to you. So not just the people, but also the plans that he's entrusted to you. Where does this come up in this passage? Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So he planned so that you could be an overseer of the life that he's given you. So there's a responsibility that has been made for you. Responsibility comes from two words, right? An ability to respond. And so we are responsible for the way that we interact within those spaces. And then number four, to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. So there's a job description there. What, why has he put you in that place? Here's the, here's the reason for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. He, he's given you a job. So number four is do your job and do it well. Some of us may be, oh, I'll do my job when I get this. This is actually a conviction of mine this morning. I'll do my job when, when this happens or that happens. And God says, no, what can you do now? What can you do today? For the things that you can't control, trust him and, and be patient. But for the things that you can control, what are you doing today? Right? So here we go. Number one, guard your heart. Number two, focus on all the flock. Number three, remember your calling. And number four, do your job. Turn to somebody and tell them, do your job. Be nice, be nice, though, when you say it, all right? So here's the thing, guys. God's promise here to the people of Ephesus through Paul is that there's a fruitfulness that comes to their lives 
if they are to stand within an environment like this where they are tested by worldliness or false doctrines that would lead them astray. And what God highlights within this passage as well is that God uses those environments of trial, trouble, and tribulation to actually prune us so that we can bear more fruit. And that's where the passage comes in that Sam read for us. It says, I am the true vine. Who's talking here? We can respond. Who's talking? Jesus, Jesus. I think it's Jesus. I think it's Jesus. It's Jesus. All right. <laughs> I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. This is what he says of himself. And then in verse 3, it says, Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Abide, everybody say abide. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides. Everybody say abide. And abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. Are we getting the point here? Abiding is coming up a lot, right? You know, when Jesus says a word a lot, we should pay attention to it, right? I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me. Okay, Jesus, we get it. We get it. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. So there's your options. Either you abide in him or... You can't do anything. So, how do we bear fruit in accordance with this passage? This is only a short section of this passage. How many of you know point number one? I'll let you preach it to me. What, what's point number one? Thank you. Abide, all right? <laughs> Abiding is important. Now, here's the thing. How many of you have used the word abide apart from Christian settings in the last month? That's right. It's not a word that we generally use today in Brisbane, right? In Australia every month, right? We don't usually use the word abide. So it's important to kind of understand what the meaning of abide is. And the word abide means to remain, means to live in, okay? I used to work in insurance and uh, like, like my brother Mike back there, and I was talking with Mike on Wednesday when we were talking through this passage that when you, back in the day, when you were looking at insurance for your house, it would either be called a dwelling or an abode, all right? If you're like doing insurance in the 60s, I wasn't doing insurance in the 60s, just in case you're, wow, you use good skincare. No, no, I wasn't around in the 60s, but back in the 60s, they would call it abode insurance or dwelling insurance. Now they just call it house insurance, right? And so the assumption is the abode is the place you abide, meaning you live in the abode. You live where you abide. You remain there. A.W. Tozer, the theologian and writer, he wrote here, uh, now this word abide means continue. And since a Christian is one who is joined to Jesus Christ by a union of life, then abide means remain in that union and live on in that union. Continue in that union. How many of you know God has wired us as emotional beings? <laughs> I'm getting a lot of amens kind of near the front. All right. Like we are wired as emotional beings, and that's the way God has wired us. Some of us non emotional people are like, yeah, I just 
hate it when people get all emotional and all that. No, no. Emotions are a part of the way God has wired and designed us. Well, personally, you're just saying that because you're a creative. No, part of the reason why we are created that way is we reflect God in the way that we emote. Here's the thing, though. We, when we emote, we are called to abide in him, even in the expression of our emotions, and not let our emotions lead us, but his spirit lead us. Right? The song is not, emotions lead me where my trust is without borders. Because how many of you know, you'll go sinking and oceans would be the shortest song in the world, right? Now, we're not to be led by our emotions. We are to be led by the Spirit. And so the way that we are led by the Spirit is by abiding in Him. Is your abiding continuous? And here's the thing, right? Because when we allow ourselves to be subject to the lordship of our emotions... We are often led in this ebb and flow away from abiding, then connecting, right? See, we sing, I exalt thee, and then emotions come, I am sorry. Like you just keep pulling away. There's this ebb and flow. Sometimes it's easy to follow Jesus. Sometimes it takes work to follow Jesus, right? Like any relationship, any friendship, talk to anybody who's been married for more than 10 minutes, and they will tell you, Right? Especially after they see the bill for the wedding. <laughs> They're like, wow, all right. Now I have to work to show you I love you because i got to work to pay this bill. Right? Like there is work often. Sometimes love is, is, is easy. Sometimes love requires work. I'm not saying that it's about, about myself. I'm just saying I've got a friend. Right? So look, here's the encouragement, everybody. In terms of abiding, I want us to keep it real here this morning because you're the real crowd. You came early, right? So I'm giving you the real, real, okay? Look at what is causing you to not abide in him and that draws you out. What are the, what are the, let's use a common word that we use today, triggers. What are the triggers, right, that pull you away from connecting and abiding with him and address those things? Because those trials or those situations will happen in life where you are tempted to draw away where you are tempted towards isolation. They're going to happen. Maybe it's not even external factors. Sometimes it's internal factors. Maybe it's, you know, at the same time, we know that the devil is real and the world is real. But how many of you know our flesh is also real? And so it's dealing with those things that we can control. If you know that there are certain situations in your life that cause you to pull away, then keep yourself out of those situations or draw parameters so that you don't go down those situations again because times and trials will happen. And it's okay to emote, but emote upwards. Complain towards God, right? Almost half of the, the Psalms are laments towards God, complaints towards God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's move on. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Wow. How many of you have that on your refrigerator? No, none of us, right? The reason why is because basically you're cut if you do, you cut if you don't. We don't like that promise. Eh? Yay, let's get cut by God. Right? Every branch that does not bear fruit, he cuts it off. And it's taken away. And then every branch that does bear fruit, 
he prunes. So there is a cutting in, in terms of, of being able to activate more fruit in us. So the second one, if, if abiding is number one, number two is pruning. Listen to the, the commentary uh, Dave Furman says. He says of this passage, a, a wise vine dresser does not let his fruit grow wildly on its own. In order to produce the best fruit, he must follow the established rules for pruning by cutting away dead or overgrown branches to encourage growth. Before the grapes can be made into wine, pruning must occur. Like the branches in Jesus' story, we're all unique and our own and our pruning won't look the same. How many of you know that to be true? Uh, he will prune us differently, but this is a process we entrust to him, knowing that he is good and at work in our lives. So pruning, how does this happen? Pruning can come by way of circumstances. Sometimes it's external factors, and it's the pressures of those external factors. Trials don't necessarily make you stronger, but it's your response to the trials that make you stronger. Do you allow pruning, or do you get offended and be cut away? Right? But it's not just circumstances. How many of you know, like, pruning can also come by the way of good people who actually see your blind spots and actually call your, your, your blind spots out. Hey, you got that in your teeth. Like, spiritually able to do that. It's important to have mentors and friends who are accurate mirrors in your life. They can be used by God to bring about pruning. So let me ask you, who do you have in your life walking with you that can accurately see your blind spots and actually appeal to you, not on Twitter, now X, not on Instagram and tell, hey, look, they had this in their teeth and put it up on, on, on Instagram. No, they pull you aside and say, hey, I just noticed this about your life. Can they call you out on those things? So pruning is the second one. And then lastly, he says here, I am the vine and you are the branches, verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. Turn to somebody, encourage them. It's time to get fruitful. I feel like an orange right now, Sarah. I want an orange. Uh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty plain right there, right? By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You can tell a disciple of Christ, not necessarily by how long they've been in church, but by how fruitful they are. You know, in, in ministry, I've been taught by mentors of mine that it's important to test fruit. This is from Matthew 7, right? You shall know them by their fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. And so no matter how gifted a person might be, they might be good at teaching or singing or dancing or whatever it might be, how fruitful is their lives? Because sometimes we're looking more for platforms rather than we're looking more for fruit. And so the third aspect is fruiting. Fruiting. That's right. I didn't even know, Bianca, if that's an English word, but we'll just, just for now, fruiting, right? Bearing fruit. What does fruit look like? Well, fruit, we must understand, is not for the consumption of the vine or the tree itself. Have you ever seen an orange tree going, wow, those oranges are nice. I think I'll bring my branch in and taste some myself. No, the orange tree bears oranges for what? The consumption of other people. This is important. Your fruit is not just for your fruitfulness so that you can put fruitfulness on your business card. right? Your fruitfulness is for three groups of people. Here we go. Your fruitfulness is so that these three groups can taste and see that the Lord is good. And here are the three groups. For the lost that are around you, 
the people around you that don't know Jesus can see the fruit in your lives. Because sometimes your life is the only Bible that people will read if you're a follower of Jesus. So it's for the lost, for those who need to find their way home. Can they see the fruit of God in your life? Number two, it's for those you lead. So it might be those you lead within your workplace, those you lead within positions of influence in the community, uh, for the parents that are in the room, those you lead in terms of your children, uh, any environment that you're in, your, your um, activities, the things that you get to lead people, right? And then thirdly, for the next leaders. So in the positions that we're in, maybe it's in work or in ministry or just in our lives, the people that taste the fruit that are coming up after us, you want to help them move into the next phase. So here are the three points that I have. I'm just going to leave these up here for a moment, and I'm going to give us an opportunity just to discuss and pray with our friends and family that are around us. Maybe God is speaking to you with regards to one of these three things, or maybe it's all three. Number one, abiding. How can we continuously remain connected to God? Number two, pruning. Who are your disciples or mentors? I know disciple is kind of a, I'm not sure if that's a word, Nelly. But for today, we're, we're starting a new vocabulary because we're first service, right? Who has God sent to help prune you? And then thirdly, fruiting. Who are you reaching out to? Who are you relating to? Remember, we're caring for all the flock. So hopefully this has helped you this morning to understand these are the environments of which God has called us to plan in our fruitfulness, especially as we plan towards 2024 and beyond. So I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to give us a moment to discuss and pray with our friends next to us, just a few minutes. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come into your word this morning. Lord, we want to choose to abide in you. We pray, Holy Spirit, for the opportunity to abide, to remain, to be connected to you. You are life and life in its fullness. So help us, Lord, to experience deeper connection to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message brought to you by Every Nation Brisbane. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at ianbrisbane.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.